Hello, and welcome to Sim Radio here on the Sisters in Music Network. It's Monday Music Madness, and you're tuned into Mixing It with Nikki Chris. This is Nikki, and in case you don't know anything about me, I'm a singer-songwriter from Raleigh, North Carolina. My show celebrates women and men in the music and entertainment industry, providing an avenue for them to showcase their talents. Our motto, Sisters in Music, Together We Are Stronger. My guest today is a multi-award winning virtual soul pianist, recording artist, and educator. Described by Fanfare Magazine as a bold, daring pianist in the tradition of the Golden Age Romantics, and praised by the American Record Guild for her magnificent shading and superior musicianship. Her live performances and discography have won international awards and rave acclaim. A Grammy balloted artist, she is currently concertizing at major venues worldwide and collaborating with renowned musicians and members of major orchestras. She is currently the program chair of Music Educators Association of New Jersey and is the director of classical music series at the Waktung Arts Center. Please join me in welcoming the awesome Sophia Agramovich. Sophia, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. How have you been? Oh, I have been just great, just fine. And um, the, the summer was wonderful, but it passed too soon. You know, the only what's happening in the world right now politically, you know, like music is our refuge and we hope that it will heal the world or help to heal the world. So I was burying myself in my work, practicing, teaching, discovering new music and the like. So I'm very happy to be back and nice to hear your voice again. So thank you very much for inviting me for your show again. Absolutely. It is my utmost pleasure. And I know you've been busy. So let's get right to it because in the last month you released a new album, and it's based on the works of Franz Liszt, who we know is one of my favorites, and it's called Franz Liszt Rhapsodies, Etudes, and Transcriptions, and it already has so many rave reviews. The pieces that you selected are among the most challenging in the piano repertoire, both technically and musically, how long did it take you to record these pieces? It's a good question because it took me quite a long time to learn them and polish them up. But recording took almost three hours, which is nothing because I played only like two, three takes as I usually do. And I like everything to be spontaneous. I don't like to to do many changes or enhancements to my playing because it ruins uh, this romantic flavor that these pieces require. However, those pieces are very challenging technically. So I was lucky because some of the pieces I knew for a long time. So I played very clean. (laughs) I didn't have to re-record. And I was really inspired when I played. I I played like as if in concert, of course, everything by memory as usual. You know, so recording was very intense. I was very tired emotionally and technically. But um, I think it produced good results. I, I really was surprised when I listened to the final result that it came out so good uh, relative to that it didn't take much time to physically record it. And I will definitely agree into the album, especially the pieces that you brought with you to share with everybody. And the fact that you only did a couple of takes on each one is just amazing. And I know you practice all the time. I'm sure you're saying it took a very, very long time to learn them, but it probably did. Because <laughs> I know how impeccable you are. So I, I have a feeling that you know, you you pick these up rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's a a lot of. It's not only practicing in, and learning. It's like thinking about it. Uh, you know, meditating upon the music, discovering new harmonies all the time. Most of my practicing is away from the piano, just because I don't have time 
to sit at the piano as much as I want. But it took me years. Like Mazeppa, I actually learned when I was a teenager. Uh, Mazeppa, I learned in Juilliard. That's, that's just an example. But um, only now I I can play it in public, almost um, you know, clean without any glitches, which is you know very hard. This is one of the hardest transcendental etches, and transcendental etches one of the hardest by, pieces by Liszt, who is the hardest um, <laughs> piano composer. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it takes a long time, and I'm, I still I still have to practice a lot, and I still have to polish up. I'm as as most of the artists, uh, you know. I, Never satisfied with completely with the result, but it's good. We all have to grow. That's the whole yes. point. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. Now, have you been doing live performances of these pieces as well as some of your other prior work? Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I did last year. I did Zoom performances on some. Actually, the whole album. I did a couple of Zoom performances. I, I even have recording on YouTube, like for Ricard Danza and Schubert, Serenade, and some others. And this year, I included some of the pieces in my live programs uh, four times, which was Watch and Guard Center, then a couple of concerts in New Jersey, Barge Music. And I have a Barge Music concert coming on October 2nd, which I just confirmed the program today, and I will also play another subset of, of this recording, another um, four pieces from this recording. So, yeah, I'm playing live, and I do have recordings of some of it on YouTube. It's actually on my webpage. So, yeah, I have um, ah, I recorded the whole Mazeppa. It, it's recording live, so you can... So you can see how it is. It, it's it's hard. Mazeppa have recordings. Uh, oh, I'm going to look at that. Yeah, and and more are coming. Yeah, so I do play live. It it gives me inspiration. Yeah, well, I'm going to definitely check out the Mazeppa one because that is one that we'll be sharing with everyone in just a few moments. But yes, you can go check that out on YouTube, as Sophia has said. So make sure that you go and check out her YouTube channel and you can see her perform that live as well. Now, what I find very, very interesting is that, and I have done this, I actually have written liner notes as well, but you do write all of your liner notes for all of your albums. How do you select the material that you are going to be putting on those albums? You mean the program or actual liner notes, what I'm going to write about each piece? Neither or, or both. So the programs I select, like, you know, like in 12 years I produce 10 CDs. So roughly each program for each year that I play live, I record it. And that that's how a CD album is coming out. And none of my pieces are repeated on any of those albums. It's very challenging, but it keeps me going. <laughs> and how I select how I feel, because if I really feel like I want to express something or I'm obsessed with the piece or I discover something new, I just play it. And the beauty of it that I'm not in school anymore, I don't have any responsibilities for, oh, I have to do just that piece. I'm free artist and I, I feel, I do what I feel. And I'm very grateful for that, that I'm able to do that. I already... I released a full list recording dedicated to his bicentennial. And then I have like almost 80% of another recording from list of Chopin. So I recorded a lot of Liszt's major works. But those um, works that I recorded on this CD were the remnants from my repertoire, and I have much more in store, which I decided to do a little bit from each segment of his compositional body. So it's uh, Rhapsodies is one, Etudes is two, Transcription is three. He has many more, but those are one of the major segments. Um, so it, it's like showcases everything what he did. Rhapsodies, Hungarian Rhapsodies, he was Hungarian. So it's like Chopin wrote Polonaises, he wrote Hungarian Rhapsodies. And it's really, really uh, close to his heart. And we know that he raised money for Hungary when it was a huge flood there. 
and it's very unique. Those uh, pieces are very, very unique uh, because they have a lot of gypsy influence, and I don't want to get into too many details because we're short by time. But that's basically why I chose that segment. Etudes, because it showcases this famous virtuosity. Some people find it impossible to play. But unfortunately, some people or even critics are overshadowed by his virtuosity, so they don't even see how deep and musical and profound mm. is Liszt's music. So that's why I selected Mazeppa, which is very virtuosic and dramatic, with beautiful middle part, and Ricordanza, which is, um, they call, um, I think Hans von Bilov called it the bunch of faded love letters, which is extremely romantic and beautiful and requires a lot of tone colorations. Uh, this is an example of that. And then transcriptions. Liszt wrote over 700 transcriptions of different composers of operas, of uh, Beethoven symphonies. But Schubert was very close to him. So he transcribed a lot of his songs being true to Schubert's score, but made, of course, it's more expressive and more pianistic. Mm -hmm. And Liszt loved those transcriptions. He played them in his concert as an encore, and uh, he really loved them. So that's why I chose favorites from each segment. And how do I write program notes? This is difficult for me, because you can say so much, even if you're not a, a musician, uh, like there's so much material and, you know, over a lifetime you accumulate so many facts. So the problem for me is not to to get the material, but just to, uh, to con make it small so I could fit into that CD booklet, little CD booklet. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, because, and each word, like in Russia we say, each word weighs a ton of gold or something. So every mm -hmm. word should be like exact. You can't waste any words, but you have to say so much in so little space. So this, I think, took me longer than probably learning one of the pieces. <laughs> I was like, for weeks, I was like, you know what? I had like 50 pages of notes. <laughs> I had to concise. It was, so oh nice. I didn't want to lose anything. To, yeah. you have to squash yeah, that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how we do. And I enjoy writing notes. I enjoy writing. I enjoy discovering new stuff. And Because it's, it's also artistic, and it, it's, it's a different function. At the same time, you know, I can uh, do more logical exploitation of the music, which helps me when I play also. That's a very good way to look at it. Very good. Well, this is a great spot for us to share one of the songs from the album. You've actually heard both Sophia and I mention this one a couple of times already. So we are going to play the Transcendental Etude Mazeppa in D minor by list performed by Sophia Agrodovich.
interpretation and performance of everything that I hear you play is always so mesmerizing. And I love the way that you described this particular piece, that it's very dramatic because it is very dramatic. And it is very different from the other one that you brought with you. But obviously, you know, I'm a list man, so I'm going to be loving anything that you play. So absolutely blown away by the entire album and this piece in particular. And you know I'm going to go out to YouTube and check out the YouTube video because I'm sure that's going to blow me away as well. So excellent. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a very dramatic piece, and it's theatrical, I would say. There is a story behind it. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, it's, I, I'm just not so tired after I play it, not so much technically, but emotionally. I always play it at the end of my concerts, because after this, I can't play anything else. <laughs> That's it. It says everything. It has all kinds of emotions. Everything is there. I can certainly see that. I can certainly, certainly see that. Let's switch gears a little bit. I know that we've talked previously about your start in music before, but I want to cover some of these areas again in case we have some new listeners that don't know much about you. So tell us a little bit about when you started playing piano. I started very early. We had piano in the house, so I was playing by ear like a lot of kids do. And my mom started teaching me when I was five, which uh, for that time in former Soviet Union in Ukraine, it was pretty young age because they usually started teaching kids later. Only here, and it's a culture, they start sometimes teaching at three or four years old because I have some very, very young students. So my mother started teaching me basics, then I got a private teacher, then I kind of got bored because, um, you know, I was going too slow and, you know, I was bored practice because I could do everything. I didn't have to practice for my assignments. So my mom said, okay, I'm closing the piano. If you're not practicing, you're not taking lessons. I said, okay. <laughs> but then I, I started practicing on my own. I took the book, the um, you know, book for kids. And I started going through pieces on my own. I finished the whole book. So and I was playing, and uh, you know, the neighbors were hearing, and friends said, oh, she, she should go to music school. She, so I entered the music school. And that's how everything started. I also didn't practice much there, but I played in a lot of concerts. I, I won a competition at then. And I was blessed to have very, very good teacher there. I actually have a couple of them, but um, two of them were like uh, peers of famous Vladimir Horowitz. And they're very good pedagogues. They taught me almost everything what I know now. And I was very lucky to have them. Uh, they inspired me and they encouraged me to say, if you go to America, when we decided to go, when my fa family had to leave, you have to go to Juliet, you have to become professional, no matter what. They encouraged me a lot and they taught me a lot of um, artistic values and human values. So that's basically what it is. I was interested in many, many things and you know, like literature, math, poetry, I love ballet, I wanted to be a ballet dancer, theater, I read a lot. And the music came very naturally, and I loved doing it. So when I came here to America, I was 15 with my parents, I decided to practice. We rented a piano. And then my father said, you know what, maybe you should try to go to Jewish. So I, yeah, I didn't <laughs> didn't practice enough, so maybe I should get a program, you know, because I didn't know program. So he he actually went there, took a booklet, gave me the booklet, <laughs> told me what I have uh, to practice. I didn't have any tutors, any teachers. I just played, selected the pieces that I played with my teacher Anna Stalerevich in Chernovitz, which is my beloved hometown in Ukraine, and I. Past exam and I got to Juliet and Sasha Garadnitsky, who was the head of um, piano department, who was himself at the time one of the best teachers in the world, entered pre-college division and he took me from college because he was um, teaching in college. So I thought it's kind of an accident and I attributed it because um, I played some Schumann pieces. I thought the pieces are so beautiful. He, he just loved the pieces. That's why he took me. But maybe that was true. 
I don't know. Anyway, so I started in Juilliard, and that's how the whole thing and rest is history. But we can talk about our lives for a long time. So I maybe <laughs> I should stop here <laughs> at this point. Well, very good. I mean, I obviously knew that you had uh, gone to Juilliard, but it's good to share that little tidbit with everybody. What made you decide to become a professional musician? It just like evolved by itself because I was at Juilliard and that was the logical step to do. Uh, actually, in third year of Juilliard, I got very interested in programming. I, I was thinking, what is a computer? What? So I wanted to take a course, but there was not enough time. And I said, you know what? I want to drop out. <laughs> I want to learn programming or some other science and just learn art or maybe take some art classes. You know, practicing musicians, especially pianists, they're kind of lonely because piano can do everything. They don't need accompaniment. It's like orchestra in itself. And, you know, feel very, very secluded from the world. And I was extremely introverted. So for me, it was like uh, I had to go out just to see what life is like. I actually went to the human resources, to the counseling. And I said that um, I don't know where my career is going because I don't want to enter competitions. Everything is so political. I I see what's going on. I refuse to do it. (laughs) So I said, you know what? You will have time. Just take one more year, get your bachelor's, (laughs) and then you can do anything you want. Oh, that's logical. That's good. (laughs) So that's what happened. I had my bachelor's degree, but then I did also master's because it was only one year, so there was another year. And then, I, oh, you know what? This can be my career because uh, I started like kind of liking it. Um, I got a teaching fellowship at Juilliard. I started teaching students at Juilliard who were playing different instruments and singers. And there was more communication, more talk about art, more comradeship, you know, friendship. And I said, oh, that's really, really nice. So I said, okay, maybe I can get PhD in teaching so I can get a teaching job somewhere in university. And um, that's a good career. And then anything else what I want to do will be my hobby. That's more logical. So that's what happened. But then life got in the way, as it does very often with all of us. And I got married. I... I was expecting a baby. It was physically impossible to handle that. Plus, I started taking computer programming course because I had to earn some money for the family. So I thought my career stopped. <laughs> I kept kept practicing and practicing anyway. So then I got the whole new career in computer programming in IT. But that might be another topic. <laughs> yes, that is another topic because I do want to touch on that in just a minute, but let us quickly take a break here from one word from one of our partners in podcasting. This is Front Range Radio. We will be right back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris here on the Sim Radio. Front Range Radio, playing a variety of indie music, a 24-7 music festival for your ears. You can find Front Range Radio at frontrangeradio.net. And we're back on Mixing It with Nikki Chris on the Sim Radio Network and my guest, Sophia Agronovich. We talked about you went to Juilliard, you, you got your master's, I believe you also have your PhD, life got in the way as it so much happens. You started taking computer programming classes and you actually said that you had an interest in that while you were still doing music at Juilliard. You changed your career, this I know. How did you handle the stress of changing your career and pausing your musical journey? You know, you ended up being the main breadwinner for the family, which puts a lot of pressure on you as well as too. And while you're bringing up your children, you know, how did you handle all of that? You know, surprisingly, I handle it very well. And now analyzing, going backwards in my mind, I think I understand why. First of all, I like programming. And they say musicians and programmers have a lot in common for some reason. It's the um, same logical structures. Maybe it's uh, thinking. Nobody can identify why. <laughs> but that's the fact. 
So when I had to change a career, I had to get a job, I thought it's temporary, just, uh, you know, for a year or two, while my husband probably will get something else. <laughs> but it never happened. I stayed and stayed from year to to year, and I thought I will get fired. They will discover that I'm really a musician. <laughs> Everybody knew that, but <laughs> I thought they would discover that I never was, like, really went to college for programming. I just graduated a, a course for programming. You know, from the beginning, they hired me in MetLife to be a developer for online application, which was for CICS with different colored screen, which was big uh, achievement at the time. I had no idea what to do because I never they never covered it. We used um, we studied mostly like hardware, so I started just reading books, reading manuals, and do what I have to do. Do you know? And I enjoyed it so much because it exercised another part of me, which was opposite of these feelings and emotions that can drive you sometimes crazy. So it balanced me out so well, and it was just perfect combination for me. And I did very good. You know, I got, like, President's Award after six months because I wrote this application. And, uh, you know, there's a long story I can talk talk a lot about, but, you know, we talk about music, not programming here. And then I went to Mary Lynch because um, it was more challenging, I, you know, I got bored at my life, and then you know I was rising the ladder. You know, but I would, you know, I can't stand this politics. I would never go beyond my VP. But I was learning constantly new languages. Yeah, <laughs> new languages, new platforms, and I enjoyed it. I liked working with people. I thought it, it's perfect because I like it. I can support my kids, my family, and. At the same time, I can practice a little bit in the evening, which I did every single day for even a little bit, like 10, 20 minutes, which my teachers told me to do because uh, I told, I told, I called Karadnitsky actually, and I told him what's going on and also Nadia Reisenberg. They gave me the same advice. You have to practice no matter what. And then, uh, remarkably, I came back to music in 2009, 2010, actually, officially, as if nothing happened, and I'm back, and I'm just continuing. So I'm I'm very very grateful for that. Yes, and you're back with a vengeance, I will definitely say, and continuously putting albums out and doing performances. So it's great to have you back. It's what it's great were... to be back. Yeah, no, no. now when you came back. Did you have any professional goals that you set for yourself? No. What happened, uh, why I came back, my mother got very, uh, it's a long story, but uh, she was like in semi-coma for six months and she was dying. And I, I started thinking about purpose of life more more closely. And then I said, I have to do what I like. What should I do with um, my life? I want to do something more spiritual, more emotional to to help people, because with programming, you know, it's very, very good, but you're not actually helping like doctors do or, you know, like psychologists. Uh, And I always, always like, because my father was a dentist um, and I I loved medical profession because he had all these medical books, which I used to read a lot. And then they offered a package in Merrill Lynch for all employees who worked there for many years. We didn't know because it... uh, um, the Bank of America was buying it, and we didn't know about that. So we said, oh, offering a huge package. Oh, that's good. We can all retire. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me take a package, and then I'll get back to some other job. So I took the package I really needed because I was very depressed and got very sick because of my mom. And started practicing, and then I said, you know what? I'm never coming back. I, st- uh, you know, I got these courses, uh, yoga, Pilates, uh, life coaching. I get a lot of certificates. Starting teaching then, I, I wanted uh, teaching that also. And playing was just on the side, and I wanted to be a naturopath. I applied to a lot of schools to do natural healing. I knew there is no money in it, but that's what I wanted to do. And but I have to earn for you know I have to earn my living too. <laughs> so I I advertised and started giving piano lessons, and I I started getting like very good students and you know I discovered all these concerts and started practicing. So 
I never said that I was a programmer to anyone because uh, I actually had the manager who suggested not to do it. And uh, the manager just, um, you know, he found me on Facebook. <laughs> he said, why don't I manage? I said, you know, I used to be a programmer. He said, oh, we don't tell anyone. Uh, not, nothing happened of it, but it was a very, very good advice. You know, the music took, and I still was teaching yoga and Pilates. I still was studying my naturopathy. Then I, uh, you know, didn't go to any more courses. And I said, you know what? To do something good in life, you have to concentrate. Uh, you know, it's, it's impossible. We're, we're not like robots. We, we should do something good, at least two things, not three or four at the same time. So I started practicing more seriously, started giving concert. That's how the whole thing started off again. So now I just do um, all this Pilates and yoga on my own. I don't teach. I don't have time to teach. I just teach music. And I'm a professional musician. And I didn't tell anyone that I was in IT business for many years. I just started coming out recently because I'm just a very sincere person. Uh, some People say, oh, you should say, oh, you're a pure musician. I don't believe it. I believe we're all people. We all have different interests, different talents, and it just enhances everything. If you can do it, you can do it. Nobody can judge them. Yeah. And that, that's the truth, and that's what it is. Yep, and I would agree with that. I don't think you should hide away the fact that programming, and, and you did that for many years, because it makes you who you are. It makes you the performer that you are, right? It makes you appreciate what you're doing now more so than when you were doing it before. So I certainly don't think you should hide that away. Now, are some of your young students also aspiring to be professional musicians? Yes. It's interesting because whenever I get a new student, the parents want them to be professionals and the students are very ambitious, like little kids. But as time goes on and they go towards high school and then they enter high school, they realistically see how hard is music business is and they all tend to switch to another career or at least do double major in colleges. So a lot of my students have double measures. A couple of them, not couple, more than couple, they became professional musicians, but most of them, um, they still play, they teach privately, but they go to different professions. That's uh, regarding the young kids. But also I have, um, I tutor some adults, I occasionally give master classes uh, to professionals. So that's basically it. And, And I notice the trend towards different professions as we go along, like further, it's more and more. Because when I started 12 years ago, there were more kids that wanted to be professionals, and parents were extremely ambitious. Right now, it loosened up. Maybe it's due to economy, maybe to common sense. I don't know. But what, whenever they take lessons, whenever they play, they all give it everything what they have. They love it. It stays with them. And I, I know even some kids who graduated and, uh, you know, grew up in this time, they come, uh, they contact me, like on LinkedIn, and, every, and they say how grateful they are, and they still teach younger kids. And music will be with them forever. Yeah, it's mm. very, very rewarding. Awesome. That's great. You'll have to share with me some of the students that you have that are now professional musicians so that I can check them out as well, since I know that you were their teacher. I see, like even in little kids, of course, everybody has personality, but I always treat them as an adult, but in slightly different approach and language, very seriously. And they love it. You know, you never, they much more smart than we can even imagine. And everybody has a hidden talent. You just have to know how to get to it and what talent is it. And that's why I love teaching, because you're dealing with very interesting human beings, first of all, not not just the kids that you teach them how to press the keys. That's why I love. And uh, I become, like, very friendly and attached to them. And some, like, especially, like, teenage girls, sometimes they confide in me. And it's very rewarding. It's like having friends, you know, students who are your friends. I, I really love it. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I wish you were my piano teacher. <laughs> I 
maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm so. <laughs> you don't want to teach me, Sophie. I'm so bad. Yeah, I'm it's not so strict funny. enough, you know. <laughs> I, I'm not strict enough. I'm not, like, pushy yeah. <laughs> at all, you know. I'm like, but I give very hard assignments. So everybody thinks that I'm so easy going, but they have to do this hard assignment. So they do them because they think they're not hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Reverse psychology. I love it. I love it. All right. This is a great spot for us to share the second song that you brought with you. This is a, another piece from your latest release from Bliss Rhapsodies, a tape and transcriptions. This is called D. Farrell, which is translated to The Trout by Schubert List. So we're going to play that and again performed by Sofia Agronovich.
another brilliant performance. And what I really, really like about this is the two pieces that you brought with you are very, very different. They both emit different emotions. The first one was very dramatic. This one's much more lighter, happier, much more flowy, if you will, much more, I would say, even, you know, romantic. And I love that, that there's so many different emotions. When you listen to this album, you go through various different emotional stages, and I I think that's really fantastic. So, again, another brilliant piece. Thank you very much, Nikki. (laughs) Yeah, you know, when when you say, you know, when I hear something like this, believe it or not, I want to run to the piano and practice more because I see the good (laughs) results. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it's really, really true, right? I mean, I I can even hear it in the recording. Two very, very different pieces, and you definitely emote different emotions when you listen to each of the pieces. So hopefully one day I'll actually get to see you perform in person because I expect that even live it's that way as well. So I am going to definitely check out the YouTube videos and then hopefully one day if you're playing somewhere, I'll be able to to visit and, and check that out because I think it would actually be something that is spectacular. So, Anyway, okay, before we run out of time, anything else that you'd like to share with with our listeners? What are you planning on doing in the next 6 to 12 months? Uh, It's very hard to plan. I mean, no, it's easy to plan. (laughs) But we never know what life will offer. So I have a lot of plans. I, um, you know, of course, I have like different programs that I started from different CDs, different composers, and um, on the top of um, everything that I have to do now. Um, I plan on a lot of live performances now that COVID threat is almost over. I would say I want to believe that it's completely over. I want to compensate for these two years of seclusion. I would like to go to different countries, maybe to Europe. Uh, to play live because um, I, I really love um, performance. I, I get very scared. Like in the beginning, I don't want to play. I don't want to be on stage because I, I want to project music. I want to project composer and feelings. I don't want people to stare at you know me because I'm I'm just a messenger. I'm nobody. So I <laughs> I. Sometimes before the concert, I just freak out for that reason, not, not because I'm afraid to make a mistake. I just want to be invisible. I want to fly. That's, that's uh, always, <laughs> always like that. But once I get into music and I play, I, I get vibes from the crowd and then everything is in sync. And it gives me so much more power, inspiration, and new insights into music. It's like really very interesting journey. It's like you see everything anew through the new prism. And it's so exciting. It's almost like I never took drugs, but it's almost like as if you're on drugs or drunk. I don't drink either. <laughs> so that's oh why I don't drink it that. because I have it. <laughs> already and it's healthier oh my goodness Um, so that's well I can relate to that I mean when you do performances or you do a show and you react and feed off of what you get back from the audience so I definitely can relate to that yeah so that's that's on my plans for now and um, I hope everything will be well and whatever challenges life will bring to to us to me we will be able to handle it and uh, music and art is uh, the best power and antidote i think to everything and i'm very grateful that i'm yeah. able to do it and i'm in that yes i agree with you on that as well so fabulous all right, where can everybody find you on social media? Everywhere. <laughs> Just Google my name. <laughs> Not every single, because I don't have time to post all day on all, all the media. So once in a while, I, I Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Those are my chosen. Um, that's basically it. Um, so just see my name. My handle is Sofia Agranovich. 
And um, if you forget, just you can go to on my website, sofiagranovich.com, and all the links are there. I do believe you have a contact off of your website. You know, Sophia is very diligent about responding. And also YouTube is also a channel that everybody needs to check out because you have those live performance videos there so they can actually see you perform live. I hope you do do some performances in the U.S. as well. And then I am able to go in and see you. Hopefully, maybe maybe you'll make your way down to North Carolina. Maybe I'll make my way up to New Jersey. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. But in the meantime, Sophia, it has been absolutely wonderful having you back on the show. Congratulations on the new album. It is another brilliant compilation of music. Oh, I'm thoroughly impressed with everything that you put out, and, and this is no exception. And, of course, I'm partial because I am both a Schubert and a List fan, so it is very wonderful to hear the music that you performed, and congratulations on that. All the accolades are very definitely well-deserved, and appreciate your time. So thank you again. It's been a pleasure having you on. And for everyone that has tuned in for Mixnet, we really appreciate your time. So on behalf of all of us here at Sim Radio, this is Nikki Chris. Until next time, keep on mixing it.